0: Hello and welcome to another Zoom edition of WSU Sports Talk. I'm your host, Liam Plate, and I'm joined by Chris Keeley and Maddie Frucker. Guys, uh this is both your first time on sports talk. So I hope you're excited to be here. How are you guys feeling?
1: Feeling pretty good. Thanks for having us.
0: Doing good. It's um better than nothing. It's always yeah. better than
1: nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, yeah, it's not like uh being on FM, but it's still still something. So Uh, One thing we're going to jump right into it here. So one thing that New Jersey's doing is kind of is the last dance tournament for high school baseball. Um, Our listeners, you might have heard about that on our Twitter or something that we're going to be covering some of those games. Uh, The first few games are going to be West New York Breck versus Bees Baseball, Passaic Valley versus uh, Seton Hall Prep. And then Sussex Blue versus Sussex Sussex Red, which are both two teams who are a combination of a a bunch of team uh, schools in Sussex County. Uh, So kind of put the the best players from those teams, put them together uh, for kind of like, so there's less teams because already 222 in the tournament. Uh, So what do you, those, uh, those games are all all on Tuesday. And then once from there on the matchups are kind of, we'll see who wins. Um, But then what are you guys' overall thoughts on the tournament? I mean, obviously, it's got to be great for some of these players, but what do you guys think, Maddie?
1: Um, Well, to start off, um, I'm sure a lot of these kids are are really excited to get back on the field, especially since, you know, their season ended so abruptly. Um, I know the rising seniors, especially, um, you know, coming from junior year where their season got cut short. And now this is going to be their last season before, you know, college ball. So I'm sure this is going to be really, really great. And I heard, I think, recently graduated seniors as well. Um, can participate who didn't get to really end their season the way they wanted to. Um, so I think it's just a great opportunity um, to get that practice in, especially for some of the seniors moving on to college, and then also some of the juniors who are still looking to get recruited and, and looked at, because I'm sure there are going to be some recruiters there as well. So all around, I think it's just a great opportunity. It's different from, you know, just regular uh, summer league. You know, I'm just, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to watching that.
0: Yeah, what about you,
2: Chris? Um, I thought it was a great idea. It, As you mentioned, it gives seniors uh, a memory. Personally, in uh, my area, uh, my high school, our team only had one game, and their seniors, their career is over now. So, it's, I mean, it's a great opportunity for people to finish out their career. I saw one thing that was interesting was that um, it's designed, they're organized the brackets geographically. So, it gives you, like, a, 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 pro, a meaning of local pride. And, um, hey, I mean, if you're a competitor, I mean – Herman Woods said best, you play to win the game. So I think they'll enjoy it. It's really good. Plus, also, they have a, they're very, like, pro, like, getting guys to play with 11 batters, unlimited substitutions.
0: No, yeah, I think, it, I think, I think the best part is, is that, the, the, for, especially for the seniors this year who, who won't be playing college uh, baseball, I think for those ones, I think it's probably that means the most to them because this is kind of like the last time they'll be able to play organized baseball. Mm -hmm. Uh, for the rest of their life besides like I don't know like a softball league when they're an adult or something so I think it it really makes a difference for them and then like you said Maddie with the the juniors uh, coming up that that they get a chance to be recruited for for college college baseball because I mean junior is really the year where uh, you start to get looked at by colleges and stuff like that and they really look at that season to see how how you're improving but I do think, especially for these seniors, I think it's 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 going to be pretty special for them. And like you said, Chris, they are doing it geographically. So there's going to be a North champion and a South champion, and then they'll meet uh, at Skyland Stadium in Trenton uh, later in July. Uh, so, I mean, I asked you guys to, to preview one team that you think could make a deep run in this tournament. I mean, I'm sure it was tough. You had 222 to pick from, so... Uh, kind of what kind of teams? What teams are you looking at to to make a, a run here and towards the state championship? Chris, we'll will start with you on this one.
2: Um, I picked a school, and I'm not a New Jersey resident, so I apologize if I got this incorrect. Glassboro, um, they went twenty three and six last year. Eight seniors, six returning starters. Um, another thing was that um, last year they made the Group One state championship, and we're actually three outs away winning the championship up five to nothing so and ended up losing so I think that really is very motivational and and probably makes them want to like finish the job this year
0: yeah Maddie
1: um so I am from New Jersey I live down in Monmouth County so I kind of stuck close to home um when I was doing you know my looking around Um, I feel like regions up north, like such as like Bergen County, where like a large majority of those teams are really impressive and, you know, constantly make it to tournament championships. You know, it's going to be kind of interesting to see those teams go head to head and who weeds out who since they're really close in skill. Um, And like I said, I'm more familiar, you know, with teams down the shore where I live. Um, And there's really, you know, some select schools who do really well every year. Um, So I'd say some schools like Wall um, and Red Bank Catholic, Two of which I'm familiar with who are, you know, consistently good, you know, year after year, um, always hold, you know, division titles. And I feel like they have a greater chance of, of getting further earlier in the tournament than some of the more closely um, knit competitive teams from northern Jersey and, and other obviously regions of New Jersey. So those two I'm, I'm excited to, to keep my eye on mostly because, you know, I am from the area. Uh, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to watching them and I hope they get really, really far.
0: Yeah, and uh, Chris, going back to you, the Glassboro was a team that really stuck out to me. I mean, I read kind of the summary of how they lost that state championship. They had a five-run lead in the last inning, and then they blew it, and they ended up losing by 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 three runs. So I just can't imagine how heartbreaking that was uh, for that team. And now they have eight eight seniors coming back and and six starters returning. So I definitely think that they're going to be out for blood in this tournament. Kind of want to win that championship. I. I saw I read an interview with their coach where um, he would talked to NJ uh, Advanced Media, where he said that when their first few practices in the spring that they they looked at uh, they looked like a, a special team that they could make a run at the state championship. and then of course, uh, the pandemic uh, striked and that the their season got cut short, but now they're getting another chance to to redeem themselves from that that twenty nineteen state championship. but all teams to look out for Glassboro. Uh, Red Bank Catholic and, and Wall as well. I mean, all all great picks uh, by you guys. I think it'll be fun uh, to watch this, especially. I don't know. I, I I think it's just fun to have some kind of sports back, uh, in that you can go watch uh, in some capacity. But it'll be interesting to see. Don't forget for our for our listeners out there. Don't forget to to listen to wsu.net uh, for for most of those games uh, in the the pool play and the, and the, the single elimination. And then once it gets to the semifinals and final, it'll be uh, on FM uh, radio, but now we're gonna move back to, to Big East sports. You have UConn officially back in the Big East uh, as of July 1st, rejoining after leaving a few years ago for the American Athletic Conference. Uh, so I wanna start off, how do you guys think that that this con- that, uh, UConn coming back to the conference will impact uh, the, the most popular sport in the Big East, the big one, uh, men's basketball, Uh, Maddie how do you think it will
1: Um, well you know I think Though every team, you know, starts off the season with confidence, starts off every game with confidence, I think obviously UConn is going into this season um, looking to make a new name for themselves, you know, and claim one of the top spots in the conference. Um, So that being said, you know, though there's new talented players every year in the conference, um, I think facing, you know, an entirely new team um, is a challenge that I'm really excited to see uh, the teams in the Big East take on. Um, And, you know, I also think it's a great thing for, you know, the future of UConn, considering, you know, kind of the weight that the Big East carries as a conference and and how they may have, you know, an easier time recruiting, you know, future prospects that are attracted to playing in, you know, a conference like this. So I think a lot of really great things, you know, for the conference as a whole. And I'm I'm excited for UConn as well, you know, for their future and, and to see what they want to do with that.
0: Chris, what do you think?
2: Um, I'm all for it. It's uh, one of the original teams, like you said, when the Big East originally started. And competition brings out the best in people. It's another potential tournament team. Um, they've won four national championships. You're not having little sister of the Porter join the tournament. It's a it's a quality uh, program back in the uh, Big East. So I think it's great. Um, like Maddie mentioned earlier, they joined the Big East, and for recruits saying that, you know, your tournament is in the Madison Square Garden. That obviously attracts eyes.
0: Yeah, I think uh, obviously it has a historic program uh, for UConn men's basketball. I could I, – but for the team as of right now, I could see them finishing the top half. I could see them finishing fourth or fifth uh, next season. I, I think Villanova, Creighton, and, and Seton Hall will, will remain in the top three uh, just because of, of how – talented they are but I mean UConn they're no one to mess around with they they won 19 games last season in, in the American Athletic Conference so I but I don't think it will be an easy transition I mean some of these UConn fans on Twitter think they're going to come in and just dominate but I don't think it's going to be as as an, a very easy transition from the from a, the American Athletic Conference to the Big East who is the Big East is known for men's basketball as being the toughest conference in the, in the nation. So I do think it'll be tough for them uh, to make that transition, but I think they'll be able to adjust not, not so easily, but I think they'll do decently their first year. Uh, But I think it'll be interesting. And now for women's basketball, what do you guys think? Uh, Obviously uh, UConn women's basketball is a little bit different than, than the men's side. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you for this one. How do you think uh, Um, UConn women's basketball coming back to the big East will, will affect the conference?
2: I think you kind of put it lightly. I mean, they're like dominant. I mean, I did some statistics 15, uh, the last 20 years that they were in the big East, they won the regular season championship 15 times, the big East tournament, uh, 16 times, all 20 years, they were in the tournament, 18 years. They were in the lead eight, 13, the final four, 11 national championships, six undefeated seasons. And apparently they had a dry spell of not winning a championship for three straight years. And, for them, apparently, that's, like, really bad. So, um, they're a really good team. Um, I've seen, like, DePaul and Marquette are usually, like, the best teams when it comes to women's basketball in the Big East. So, I think that, I mean, they're going probably do pretty well.
0: Yeah, Maddie?
1: Um, Yeah, obviously, you know, like Chris said, there's there's no doubt about, you know, their amazing basketball program. Um, And I also think it's going to bring some really great attention to the other talented women's teams, you know, in the Big East, Um, very much deserved um, publicity and attention to them that they may not have gotten before it shouldn't obviously take some amazing team Coming into your conference to get you that attention, um, but I do think it's going to bring some really great teams and some really great development to to a lot of the women's teams, you know, in the conference. So that's going to be a really exciting to say.
0: Yeah, I think uh, definitely have a, a new top dog in the conference. Uh, they're I think they're they're going to win it. Uh, I don't think anyone expects any less of them. But I do agree with you, Maddie. I didn't really think of that. Uh, that it does having a, a big time program like UConn come to your conference really. Really changes the the outlook of your conference and the landscape of it because you you'll have people coming coming to your games now to watch UConn play, but then they'll also get to see the great players on, on the other teams. So you have like a smaller school such as Providence who gets to host uh, UConn and they get to who doesn't get maybe as much exposure for women's basketball gets a little a little bit more. So I do think I, that's something I didn't think about. So I think that's a great point you brought up that. That, that they'll be able to do that and then so I'm gonna go uh, with you guys again what are, are there any other sports that that you guys think that you kind can make a, a big impact and how they will impact the conference uh, Chris if you have any
2: um, I, I looked at baseball uh, last year they're like 39 and 25 so it's a respectable team it's not like that's uh, a a very good team. By the way, in 2018, little known fact, they actually had a tie in 2018 against Bryan University, which I did not know was a thing. So apparently there are ties in College Baseball.
0: Interesting. Wow. What about you, Maddie?
1: Um, I picked basketball um, kind of because I feel like Seton Hall um, and UConn, you know, men's basketball are kind of taking on their own sort of a fresh start, you know, Seton Hall in this sense, you know, we lost some very talented seniors, of course, including Miles Powell, you know, all while ending, you know, an amazing season so abruptly. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, restructuring within the roster to kind of maintain that same momentum, you know, we ended our season on, um, and UConn in the same sense is starting fresh in that way, um, in a new conference with a whole different energy, Um, you know, like you said before, the Big East hovering at the top of the rankings throughout last season, Um, so it's definitely going to be, you know, a change of pace for UConn as well as Seton Hall, so it's going to be really interesting to see how they both handle those changes in their own, you know, separate ways.
0: Yeah, I definitely do think it, it'll be an interesting season for, for both Seton Hall and UConn uh, for men's basketball, both, like you said, with fresh starts and then baseball. It looks like uh, uh, UConn does – does. I mean, anything can happen with them in baseball. It looks like they tied a game with Bryant. So maybe we'll see another tie here in, in Big East baseball uh, next spring in the spring of 2021. But uh, just a general thing, what do you think adding UConn back to the conference uh, – Will do for the culture. Do you think it will help it or do you think it will hinder it? Um, Maybe hindering it because of it is not a Catholic school and all all the schools in, in the Big East are Catholic as of right now, except for UConn. So I mean, Maddie, what do you think?
1: I hadn't even thought of that at uh, that point. I mean, I don't think it'll be a hindrance at all. You know, I think it'll definitely be more competitive. Um, like Chris said before, you have, you know, the Big East Championship um, at MSG, which is, you know, we've heard from, you know, our players at Seton Hall is is just like an amazing experience. Um, so I would expect, you know, nothing but, you know, aggressive playing from UConn to, to get to that point. Um, so I think it'll just make the conference even stronger um and you know maybe even bring up some old and and new you know rivalries again so uh, i don't think it'll be a hindrance i think it'll it'll add definitely uh, a lot more to the conference
0: chris what about you uh
2: that was an interesting point They it would be the only catholic school but um they were in the big east for over 30 years um i don't think there will be any problems concerning that and it's it'll be better competition um It'll be an you'll be increasing the the field, um, particularly for the tournament. It'll be a it'll be an extra game, which I think no fan is going to be against that. I mean that seems more interesting. So I think it'll be overall a great experience. And if, hey, if when we're playing them, we're probably going to play them twice. You beat them, it's a respectable team. If you lose to them, it's a respectable team as well. So.
0: Yeah, I definitely think I, I agree with you guys. I think I think it'll help the conference. I think it'll be it'll bring a sense of, of familiarity back back to the Big East. Uh, like you said, Chris, they they're they're in the Big East for over thirty years, so it kind of didn't feel the same without them uh, for for those few years where, or especially the first couple of years when when a lot of those teams left, such as Syracuse and Louisville and Pitt. Um, but but I do think it'll bring back like the old school mentality, the the tough and the gritty mentality that the Big East had uh, back in the 80s and 90s and in the early 2000s. I think I think it'll bring uh, a, a good culture to it. And I don't, I just kind of brought up the the Catholic school thing, kind of just to throw something in there to see if if it would, if you guys thought it would. But I don't think that'll have any effect on it. I think everyone's excited uh, to to have. UConn back in the Big East have a new team a new challenger and I think the 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 teams that weren't in the original Big East such as Xavier uh, Butler and Creighton that they have they can finally get a good look at UConn and kind of get the flavor of of the old Big East and see what it was like before they joined Uh, but that'll do it for the for the Big East uh, section of this now Uh, big news coming out of the Ivy League was that they canceled fall canceled fall sports until January 1st 2021 so the ivy and if you remember back in march the ivy league was the was the first conference to cancel cancel spring sports um and then also some changes the big east announced a a little bit ago that they'll be doing division play only for fall sports so meaning northeast schools will only play each other in their own division and the midwest schools will only play each other uh for, for fall sports such as volleyball and soccer and then the Big Ten also announced that they were all they will be doing a conference-only schedule uh, for for fall sports. So, I mean, do you guys think that the the Ivy League's precedent uh, of canceling uh, fall sports will will set uh, of canceling spring sports? Excuse me, uh, back in March, uh, will set the same precedent in the fall like it did uh, back in the spring? Chris, if you want to go. Um,
2: I think so, but because, like, college, when it comes to, like, the non-conference play, it's almost a circle of dominoes. Then when once one falls, they almost they all fall. But what really puts us, like, in a buzzsaw is that big Tw- the Big 12 and the, the uh, SEC both said that they're not going to be canceling their non-conference games. So that really makes it, like, say to yourself, how do you, like, keep that going when, say – they're playing games while the Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC aren't. And another thing was that when it really comes to distance, like I get their, their main thing is they want to limit travel. Is that for some of these games, for example, Creighton and Seton Hall is over 1,000 miles. Texas Tech versus West Virginia is nearly 1,500 miles. Miami, Boston College is 1,500 miles. It's still like, like that's you're still pl- you're still going long distances.
0: Yeah, Maddie,
1: um, I had some concerns about this, too. I think it will, you know, set a precedent. I hope it does. Um, because it kind of opens up new concerns. You know, if some of these schools don't follow, you know, it's not like you have that bubble that you have for the NBA, you know, where all the players are being quarantined, they're being kept together. Um, And I understand like geographically, you know, that these conferences haven't canceled anything yet. They're trying to be smart, Um, but I don't know how they plan on, you know, stopping these athletes from, you know, going to in-person classes, walking around campus, you know, eating in dining halls, places they could still potentially get exposed that they're trying to limit, you know, the exposure in, you know, large sections of, you know, states and, and uh, regions, um, and not even, you know, at Seton Hall, it's, it's more of a smaller school, but at some larger, you know, state schools, you know, where th- there are tens of thousands of, of college students walking around, you know, is there really a way to, to tell some of the student athletes, you know, you have to give up some aspects, you know, of your education or, or school life to, to try and play some safe season that may not even be the case. So as far as limiting geographical travel I understand the idea there but if you're not fully quarantining or keeping you know these players totally safe if you want to call it that then I don't see the point in even limiting it in that sense like do you know what I'm trying to say
0: yeah Yeah. I understand it's it is it is a little tough because you don't have the luxury of of sending all your teams to Disney (laughs) uh to to play to play their season so i I, it is tough i think i do think that that's the one thing because i i I, one thing with the ivy league i do think most of their classes are online for the fall semester Mm -hmm. where a lot of these other schools haven't done that yet and they're still planning on in-person classes where they're doing kind of a, a similar thing to seton hall where you start in august you go straight through until thanksgiving and then you go home after that so i don't it is tough because I, that is something I didn't really think about. Is that, uh, that that you brought up, Maddie, Is that they're still gonna they're still gonna want to be uh, college kids and, and stuff like that. And I mean, they they really don't have any choice if they're living on campus to be around other people and if they're um, and going to the dining hall where also they're supposed to get food at that point. But uh, the only thing is that the only way I see all other conferences doing it is that if they all go permanently online for for the fall semester uh i think it, it i think it, it gets ba- i think it will get based off of their in their protocol for in-person classes i mean which i mean i would hate to see uh, us go online again for for classes because that was extremely tough mm-hmm. uh to and, and it's a lot better to learn in person but i don't know uh, but i could see it happening where where the the ivy league set the pre- sets it again And everyone follows that. I think they'll, I could see, I I honestly could see it happening where they get like, get to like the end of September and the conference, like the doing the conference only uh, thing and the conference only games and stuff like that. And then they, they get so many cases and they're like, all right, we have to call the season. Like we can't do it anymore. And then everyone gets sent home uh, uh, once again uh, from school. So I do, I think that's a, that could be a possibility, but I do, remember seeing that the, the Big East uh, commissioner said that if there are no in-person classes uh, next semester, that the, the Big East will, will not have fall sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys think about that, that statement? Do you think that's, that's the right move to go for? Because uh, if you think about it, if there's no in-person classes, you can have only um, student athletes on campus and kind of creating their own bubble type thing. I don't know if you guys uh, think that's the right idea for no in-person classes means no sports uh maddie what do you think
1: i mean i can understand the idea there um i definitely think that this is just such an uncertain time you know you try to predict what's going to happen you try to take all the precautions you can take um but at the end of the day you know i feel like we've all seen people are people people are going to live their lives um, and like I was saying before, I don't think you should try and, you know, limit their experience at school um, to try and mold their season afterwards. I think you have to play it safe. Um, and I think, you know, obviously the best decision it, I, that does make sense, though, if, if you do have no in-person classes, online classes, it is sort of a bubble um, in that sense. And you do have them you know, still all together, kind of quarantined in a sense. Um, but, you know, there is is really no truly, you know, safe way to go about this. Um, but um, that statement, I would say probably is, is, I would support that, or I would, you know, expect to see that happening. I, I don't see really an issue with that.
0: Chris, what about you?
1: Um, it's tough
2: to say, because, I mean, if you're going to get worried about how colleges of the possible transmission of the virus, then I mean you're gonna be riding you're gonna be going into airports. I mean that's probably the center of where a lot of the virus is transferred. So I mean if we're gonna be getting like focused on in like the the school part, I mean you also got to be looking at like the areas of transportation I and mean, those are probably the biggest centers of the transferring of the disease. So I mean it's kind of hard to say because I mean you're almost got to like put these guys like in like bubble wrap almost to like prevent them from getting it.
0: No. Yeah, it is. It is a very, very tough situation. I mean, I, I think I I agree with the, the commissioner's statement on that where I think that makes the most sense is that I think if it's, if it ends up getting worse, they might just have to take the bullet and, and cancel another season as it does much seem, as it, it, it does it's seem
2: like that would happen. Yeah
0: yeah, as much as it it stinks to have that again for these, these student athletes, but you know, uh, I, this is is unprecedented times. You really can't, can't take any risks. Uh, but, but
1: also just moving forward, like taking action now will kind of prevent us from having to take more action later. Sorry to interrupt, but like, that's just another point. Like why try and, you know, although we do have hope, you know, obviously for things to get better, I think it's just you're trying to do what's best for you now and also thinking about the future, you know, your, your future seasons in 2021 and then the fall and and even past that.
0: No, yeah, that, that, that's a great point of, yeah, feel, feel free to interrupt with, with good stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's that is something you got to think about is how you want this to affect you in the future, because if we keep, if you keep putting it off and off and off, it'll just keep getting worse and you, you'll never get out of it kind of thing. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens with fall, fall sports as of right now. Fall sports are happening in, in some conferences, not in the Ivy League though, uh, but for the Big East they're doing that divisional play where Northeast schools will play each other and the Midwest schools will, will stay out in the Midwest and they'll play each other there and that But moving to an, another uh, section of, of college athletics, uh, I mean Stanford uh, University uh, recently announced that they'll dis- discontinue 11 sports at the conclusion of the, the upcoming academic year. So the 11 sports include men's and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, uh, men's rowing, co-ed and women's sailing, squash, synchronized swimming, uh, and men's volleyball. The university, uh, in their statement, uh, in their their pro- their ex- explanation online, they said they considered this a last resort, but they said that, that Stanford, uh, is is could Stanford? Stanford athletics could no longer support all 36 of their varsity sports while remaining financially stable. And and Stanford said that there were 240 student athletes that were affected from the cutting uh, of these sports, and also 22 coaches. Uh, the university did say that they will uh, be be honoring the athletic scholarships uh, given to these athletes, so they can still continue to attend uh, Stanford. Um, but. Guys, what are your initial reactions on this, Uh, Chris, if you want to start us off?
2: Um, I think it's never good to have to say you're canceling a sport. A lot of these sports are really, there's no big league for these people to advance into and they're mainly Olympic sports. But you said that Stanford university said that they can financially keep these. I, I see that as a flat out lie. Now, since 2015, I did, I found that there was a 15,000 ticket decline when it came to football. And that's really in your main sport. That's your big cash cow when it comes to uh, f- uh, sports in general. So if you do 50,000 and you times that like by the third, if you do fifteen. if you do $15,000, 15 of those tickets, times fifty dollars, that's four point five million. You do that for seven games, it's around thirty two million dollars lost. Now, Stanford has, I checked this out, almost a twenty-eight billion dollar endowment. Now thirty-two million dollars, I mean that's like you're shoved. you're just like, you know, hitting your shoulders off with that kind of little money. That isn't really that much to you. So I can't really like agree with them saying that you financially that they can keep
0: those sports going. So yeah, Maddie, what about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't go too much into their budget, but that is like <laughs> no, but that does it does not make any sense at all. I feel the exact same way. Um I think it's absolutely like unfortunate that you know these things have to happen, and you know not only has COVID, you know, cut these athletes' season short, but now you know students that still have a couple of years left, they who are freshmen, sophomores, um, they're now being told that this is going to be their final season, which is just absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and you know, I think that you know, honoring the scholarships um, and giving giving you know severance pay, um, it's you know the right thing to do by all means, but you know, I don't think it can really fix something that shouldn't have happened um you know and government aid is is more readily available to you know public universities um but if this is like some ticking time bomb of an issue that was known about um and that this was just their last resort that covid made worse you know i don't really think that after you run out of money is the time to publicly seek help. You know, if if this was a funds issue, it should have been made aware to students, you know, when the first red flag happened. I don't think now once, you know, this is the, the final time to cancel, I don't think that's, you're, you're really thinking about the people that you're affecting, you know? And if it was something that, that was occurring over the years, I think it should have been, like I said, more readily available to to fix and to to get opinions on, um, and to at least let these families and these students know. So, an unfortunate situation that I think, like you said, could have been avoided, and and is not probably as truthful as as they're putting out. No, yeah, I
0: I, I feel terrible for for all these athletes uh, from the eleven of these sports. I mean, you you work so hard to get to the point to to get a scholarship to a. a a prestigious university such as Stanford. I mean, you got to think as gifted as they are in their sport, they have to be uh, somewhat gifted in the classroom if they're going to be going to Stanford. Uh, But I mean, yeah, I don't know what the details of their budget are or anything. But you got to think that there had to be some kind of way. And then uh, they they also said that this doesn't affect the Title IX uh, rule that they have, where you have to have a certain amount of men's sports and a certain amount of women's sports. But I know you have to think about, uh, could have this been uh, dealt with, a, could have they, could they see this coming before COVID happened, that they kind of set them over the edge and, and stuff like that. But I mean, it, it is a tough situation. I'm, I mean, one thing I'm glad about is that they're still honoring the scholarships, uh, like you guys both mentioned. And, um, but because of course, that, that I'm sure that's a big reason a lot of those, those kids were able to go uh, to Stanford as uh, I'm sure the tuition is, is, is out of budget for a lot of people. But yeah, I feel I feel terrible for all those athletes, and uh, especially like you said, uh, Chris, that uh, they're they're not really major sports that are being cut. They're kind of like sub sub varsity sports. But then if you think about some of these sports, this is how you get to the Olympics. Is how you mm-hmm. prepare in college, such as uh, fencing, sailing, synchronized swimming, rowing, uh, volleyball. They count to um, them.
2: They count to those athletes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's really just. Uh, it's, it really is a tough, a, a bad situation for them. It really stinks for, for these athletes. But, I mean, do you guys think that we can expect this from, from other universities? Uh, I mean, especially smaller schools, you have to think. If Stanford's having this kind of financial problem with their athletics, do you think this could happen at, at, at a smaller school, possibly like maybe, uh, for example, a small school in the Big East, that, that they might have to do this? Uh, I mean, Maddie, what do you think?
1: I mean, I think obviously it's very much possible. I think that it may be even happening to some small schools who don't know about it yet. And then all of a sudden you're going to get this news story that, you know, your sports are being canceled, especially with, you know, the toll that COVID's taken um, financially on a lot of these institutions. And like I said, it's like larger state schools, government funded schools are, are much different than smaller Uh, even state schools and and private schools. Um, So it could very much possibly happen. I sure hope it doesn't. Um, But I think, like I said, there needs to be a way of, of kind of speaking about these issues publicly and trying to find some type of way publicly to, to instead of just plopping down like your season's gonna end after you know 2021 and and having everyone just you know there's nothing you can do so I think that's definitely it's avoidable even though it it may be happening to some smaller schools I think um, finding a solution is, is probably earlier than later is probably the most important thing
0: Chris what about you
2: um, I think it, it does happen to smaller schools. The fact that it's not being mentioned is because they're smaller schools. Stanford, obviously, is one of the titans for academics. Um, however, I don't think it would be that great. I don't think many universities would lose 11, schools, uh, 11 sports because Stanford, prior to this, they had 36 total sports. That's actually twice the national average, and it's the most by far in the Pac-12. So I'd say yes, it can happen to other schools, but I don't think to that degree of where you're losing 11 full, uh, full scholarship sports.
0: Yeah, I do. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw this from some other schools, uh, especially considering the, the financial toll that, that COVID is taking on some schools, especially with athletics, where you're, you're relying on ticket sales and, and, and sponsorships and, and stuff like that uh, but I mean I think I mean I want to I, I hope this doesn't happen to any other ones but I would not be surprised I mean we saw this this I mean this isn't anything new that's happened with with schools I mean we saw this uh, a few years ago with temple where they had to cut I don't even remember the exact number but this wasn't even during a pandemic they cut a, a a good amount a decent amount of their sports where I mean they weren't the the most the most favorited one or making the most money. So, but this was also a time where Temple's football program wasn't where it's at today. Um, so, you think could have Temple avoided that if their football program was better, like it was today? So, you kind of think could have the same thing happened with Stanford if their football program was a bit better, uh, since that is their main sport. If they were playing a bit better and that they were winning and bringing those people in, like you said, Chris, with that 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 ticket decrease. Um, over the over the past year and stuff like that, um, could that have affected it and that way the success of other sports? So that's that's kind of the thing with is these smaller schools is that you might not have the especially like other some schools where you have one big sport, kind of like Big East schools where you have basketball that's the big one. Uh, and then like say you don't have a basketball season, uh, does that affect some of these other sports and stuff like that? But I think you're you're absolutely right in, in both of you that you kind of this you guys could probably they could probably see this coming a bit earlier where you don't have to end up doing this and end up cutting these sports but next now moving away from 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 college uh, athletics we're going to move to the nba You've seen a lot of social media posts and stuff like that that the the players are are in in orlando at disney they're getting ready for the season i mean um, I, I don't know if you guys are NBA fans or not, but what teams are you guys most excited to watch play? I mean, Chris, we'll start with you on this. One.
2: Um, I'd pretty much say, well, really every team. I mean, it, sports are coming back, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it's better than, like, you know, we have nothing on for the past three months. But um, I'd say the Pelicans, um, prior to the season getting suspended, they seemed like a team that was on the rise and was are very likable with Zion, finally joining the team after being out
0: to like February. Yeah. Maddie, what about you?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just like, like you said, excited to watch something. You know what I mean? Um, I've actually been keeping up a lot on social media with some of the players and it's kind of funny to see um, how differently everyone's kind of been reacting to, to being in Florida under the uh quarantine protocol. Um, and it's funny to see some of the players who have just come out of college and they're mm-hmm. kind of used to, you know, the types of living facilities, like living in dorms, like eating at like the calf and stuff like that. And the difference in their reactions to like some of like, the older players, I think it's been, it's been kind of interesting and funny. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see the Lakers play again. I've always been kind of a Lakers fan. Um, it's going to be, you know, nice to see them hopefully keep their spot. Uh, up at number one, you know, moving forward. So, but I'm just excited to see, you know, everyone play.
0: No, yeah, uh, some of that food that 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 I've seen pictures of does not look too good. I think they gotta <laughs> get them some better better food down in or- Orlando. Uh, it's not really you think NBA player caliber type food, but I mean, as for myself, for teams to watch, I mean, I'm like you guys said, I'm so excited to have sports back. I have the NBA back. Basketball has always my, been my favorite sport, but I mean besides the fact that I'm a Sixers fan I'm really excited to watch the Sixers play especially because um uh what's it called uh, Ben Simmons is back back from injuries back on the team and that uh he was out for most of the season and then Sixers ended up dropping uh to the 6th seed and now I think with with Simmons back they can kind of get them get themselves back to a top 3 team it, it, in the East Eastern Conference like they were last season and then uh, I'm also excited to watch the, the Brooklyn Nets play, uh, particularly uh, one player, Jamal Crawford, uh, who who hasn't been in, in the league this whole season and finally got it, get, get, is getting an opportunity with the Nets with some players opting out. And I mean, this is a guy who dropped 50 points in his la- in his last game, played in, in an NBA uniform. So uh, it's kind of mind boggling to me that he didn't have a contract before this from, from any team, but I'm glad he's finally getting his chance uh, to, to prove himself and with the, the whole world kind of watching because there's nothing else to watch. I mean, hopefully you can uh, kind of bring the same production. But out of the teams going, the, you have the, the eight eight playoff teams from the West and then the eight playoff teams from the East. And, but then uh, the NBA kind of made a little lenient, excuse me, for, for, the, for the teams that were in the playoff hunt but weren't quite uh, in the playoffs. So you have the Wizards in the East uh, who were the ninth, ninth spot. And then you had the Suns, Pelicans, uh, Kings, and Spurs all from the West. Who, who also were very close in the playoff hunt uh, for that last spot with Memphis, but Memphis was kind of had the tiebreaker over all of them. I mean, do you guys expect to see any of these non-playoff teams uh, kind of break the threshold and, and get to the eighth spot? Uh, Maddie, we'll start with you.
1: Um, kind of like Chris mentioned before, I think it'd be cool uh, to see the Pelicans kind of move up in the ranks. Um, I think everyone, you know, was looking forward to seeing Zion in the league after being injured uh, for so long. Um, and before they put, you know, the league on hold, um, I think that they were really clicking with him, um, and they are getting back everyone healthy, I believe, which is a plus, um, so that's obviously a really good thing, um, so hopefully, yeah, the Pelicans, uh, seeing them move up would be pretty cool. Yeah, Chris, what about
0: you?
2: Um, I said, I think the the Wizards, although there's several games out from behind the Brooklyn Nets, the fact that all, the entire Brooklyn Nets team seems to be dropping like flies, that they could potentially make it. Um, but like Maddie said, I think the Pelicans now, you could say whether or not that this was intentional or not, but the Pelicans only play six out of the eight games that every team plays are against teams that are either eighth seed or out of the playoffs. So you can decide whether or not that is intentional or that was just a coincidence. Um on whether or not that happens, so
0: yeah there has been those rumors about the NBA just kind of expanding it so they could get Zion down to the bubble but I mean we obviously know that I mean, Zion obviously, would,
2: it could increase the ratings tremendously so
0: oh of course yeah I mean he's he's gonna he's one of the most exciting players uh, in the NBA right now and has the the potential to be uh an, an all-time great but I mean, he's only played 19 games, so I think we got to slow slow the roll on that one a little bit. But uh, obviously, having the Pelicans down there kind of spices it up a little bit. But as for myself, for the non-playoff teams, I mean, Chris, I kind of looked at the Wizards at the when they first announced they were going to the bubble. I thought they could they could make a. Uh, uh, a push towards that last spot but then with Bradley Beal not playing oh is he not playing it kind of takes them out a little bit of that uh from for, for the east there oh okay no, I, agree. I, I, did not, I, I didn't know that he was out. yeah because he had okay. an injury but <laughs> no yeah uh yeah obviously it's always it's hard to keep up with all these these players dropping out and, and such and stuff like that with injuries or if they for their own safety and and, and such but uh, for me, I have to agree with you guys. I think the Pelicans, they have one of the better young young cores in this league that with especially getting half the Lakers young players in that Anthony Davis trade, I think that really helped them and that they're they're able to kind of get a young team around. Uh, they're they have a young core and able to make a, a kind of make a run. I mean, kind of squeeze into the playoffs there. But I also want to keep an eye out for the Spurs. I mean, they always seem to be there at the end of the year in, in the playoffs. And then you have Greg Popovich as their coach, probably one of the greatest NBA coaches of all time. I mean uh, you never know what he has up his sleeve, uh, for, for, especially for a time like this, you know, kind of try out some new stuff for state classic Spurs basketball, move it around, play team basketball and stuff like that. But, I mean, the big question is who, who, who's going to be in the finals and who's going to win? I mean, Chris, we'll start with you. Who, who do you going to going to be in the finals and, and who takes home the, the Larry O'Brien trophy?
2: Um, I want to say the Lakers uh, in the West. I think LeBron is going there with such an attitude of, hey, I'm 35, which is remarkable in the first place that he's still playing that well at age 35. But he knows that he doesn't have many more years left, potentially, that he wants to really, like, snag uh, his fourth ring here. So I'll say the Lakers in the West, and then I think they'll play – I'll say the Celtics in the East, and I'll say the Lakers will win that in six.
0: A nice little little rivalry matchup for the finals. Maddie, what do you think?
1: Um, I actually said the Lakers as well, um, kind of for the same reasons. um, But also, uh, I think after, you know, what the organization obviously went through and and the world went through, you know, after the death of of Kobe Bryant, you know, to see them take it all the way to the end, you know, and win that would be, I feel like, such an amazing event. Um, To end the year that we've all had, Um, And I think sports fans, you know, regardless of what team you claim, you know, I think would appreciate, you know, a moment like that. Um, And then I think maybe the Raptors are also um, very much contenders for the finals as well. Um, I think they've, you know, done a good job in overcoming the loss of Kawhi to the Clippers. Um, They've been able to hold it down throughout the season, maintain their standing as, as you know, one of the better teams in the league. So, um, but I would say, you know, the Lakers to to take it all.
0: Yeah, I mean that would be quite quite the storybook uh, uh, timeline there. If the Lakers were able to win it, the the year Kobe Bryant uh, passed away, uh, as much of a shock that was. But uh, I mean, I think I'm going to go with I think the Clippers will get get it in the in the West, kind of the other LA team, uh, and then in the East. I don't know. I think the East is very tough. I think it could go either way with with a lot of with a lot of teams. I mean, especially I think the Sixers could make a push at it just because of Ben Simmons coming back and the the level of how he's going to play could really affect them. But I do think that I think it will, the Bucks will come out of the the East. I just think they're they're probably the most talented team, and I do think that that they'll be able to get get the win. But I I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Like you said, the Celtics or the Raptors or the Sixers or, or the Heat even, if the Miami Heat could make a run at it too. But I do think the West, it's either Lakers or Clippers. But I'm going to go Clippers, Bucks, and I think the, the Clippers will, will get the win. Uh, Kawhi will get, win back-to-back titles with two different teams. We didn't know if that's ever happened before. Uh, but that'll do it for our sports Zoom Sports Talk uh, for this edition. Uh, for Maddie Frochter and, um, and Chris Keeley, I'm Liam Play. Thank you for watching and listening, and we'll see you next time.